I don't know where I'm going, but I sure know where I've been. Hanging on the promises in songs of yesterday. And I've made up my mind. I ain't wasting no more time. Here I go again. Here I go again. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Thought Process. Uh, today, we have a special guest by the name of Renee Latour. Uh, she is what I would consider a modern-day nomad. Um, I don't know if I'm describing you accurately. Renee, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for being a guest. How's everything on your side of the world? Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Excited to be here with you, Marco and Greg. Um, things are interesting on this side of the world, so I'm currently in Malaysia, on the most southern tip of the country, looking out to Singapore. So from my apartment, I'm looking at Singapore, which is very interesting because this part of Malaysia at least is very obsessed with Singapore. Um, they have good reason. I guess it's a pretty cool little country. Mm -hmm. But yeah, everything's great over here, as great as it could be with all of the interesting things that are going on. But yeah, everything's pretty, pretty smashing. Cool. Um, so you said you're in Malaysia and you are currently seeing Singapore. Now, have you ever been to Singapore yourself? No. So this is the first time I've ever been to Malaysia. I've been here since March. It wasn't planned. I was supposed to be here for three days. So it's turned into wow. almost a year. Um, so since I've been here, obviously the borders have been closed. So I think Singapore closed their borders around the time everyone else did. Right, so same right. as Malaysia, we can't leave. Once we leave, we can't come back. So um, yeah, I'm looking out to a country that nobody can go to, which long story short, I mean, I'm, I'm okay, but a lot of Malaysians who normally, you know, go back and forth for work, they're, they're struggling. So I see uh, it's, yeah, haven't been to Singapore yet, but definitely on the list. Oh, that's cool. So um, was this your first time going overseas? No. So I've been traveling for a long time. I mean, like like a lot of people going on vacations, I always uh, loved going on vacations and exploring mm -hmm. other countries. So my first time abroad, I was back in 2000. Eight, I think it was 2008 for the first time I went to Germany. Um, other than that, you know, I was, I'm from Arizona. So going to Mexico is a pretty normal thing for people in, in Arizona. Oh, cool. So going in and out of Mexico, I've done that. But the first time going over to Germany back in 2008 um, was definitely eye opening because you're, it, it's like completely, you know, everything's novel and everything's like, whoa, what are these people like, you know, what language mm -hmm. are they speaking? And kind of opens up your world. But between then and the last, few years, you know, I would just kind of do normal vacation stuff, you know, go to the Bahamas, go here, go there. And it wasn't until my partner and I went on a trip to Europe four years ago um, and was able to continue running our business abroad and hopping around to different countries every couple days and realizing, okay, we can actually travel more than we thought we could. Um, so up until that point, I was more of just a vacationer. And then about three years ago, turned more into living nomadically and, and realizing that I can, you know, I can work, I can, I can, we can run our business from anywhere in the world. Wow. That's very interesting. You know, um, the only, I've only traveled here in the States. Um, I have a little bit of experience with Southeast Asia only because I work for a company who does, who puts together uh, tour guides. So we're a tour operator. On that side of the world, obviously everything shut down. Uh, but my plan was to travel there this year. 
So it's been unfortunate that everything has been locked down and things have changed. But, um, you know, Greg and I both live in Orange County, Orange County, California. So we live in a bubble. I, I know <laughs> for a fact that if we were to travel even to a, a, a separate country, um, it would be a total cult culture shock, to say the least. It definitely well, is. Uh, when I was in high school, I actually went down to Peru and I went with a church and we did like a missions group. And back then I had hair down to my shoulders and none of the kids, they told us the kids have never seen a white person before. Nonetheless, <laughs> a guy with hair down to his shoulders. So they would always ask uh, if I was an aunt or an uncle because they weren't sure if I was a man <laughs> or a woman because they're just not used to to, to my culture at all. And and so I had to explain that over and over and over everywhere I went. And, and no one cared. It, it was really funny, but it's interesting to see some of the some of the differences. Like there was a few people who they grew the hair on the side of their head, uh, not the side of their heads. Like sideburns? It's not sideburns. It's, it, you know Anakin Skywalker from Star Wars? Uh, he yes. had like that braid on the side. They would grow those because that like I'm not sure exactly. I think they really liked the movie. And so, like, <laughs> almost everyone in the area I was in had that braid on the side of their head. And that was the only reason they had. They said Star Wars. And it was so interesting. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because you would think it was because, oh, you know, maybe the, you know, the, their native background and that's why. But you're like, no, it's the inspiration it's Star for Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, too, because the they called – United States in general, New York. Like it, we had to explain where we were because they didn't know United States. They said New York. Are, are there anything? Is have you run across anything like that where they don't call uh, the United States United States, or they, they have a different term for it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, there's so much debate on the whole America thing. So if you say like. So yeah. it's it's more it's more uh, PC to say I'm from the United States, mm -hmm. and so when I even when I say like I, I usually just cut it short and say I'm from the states, and people would be like, oh, you mean America? Yeah, yeah, America. <laughs> oh, are you from New York? Are you from LA? Mm -hmm. Are you from Miami? Like those are the right. three that they know, and then all the other states they have no idea. I'm they like, just no, Arizona. Together. Exactly. Sometimes if I do say Arizona, like half people are like, oh, the Grand Canyon. So. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise, that's so funny with the culture shock. Um, I think the funniest thing about being out here, because one thing that I love to do now when I travel, like I said, I used to go on vacation and go to very touristy places, you know, the mm -hmm. Bahamas and, and Cancun and, you know, Paris and all that. But I really enjoy traveling to places untraveled and places that people don't think about. Like people do not talk about going to Malaysia. I know that I never did. You know, I have been to Thailand and Indonesia, which people call Bali, but, you know, and go people go to places like that. And Southeast Asia, but people are kind of sleeping on Malaysia and what a cool country it is. So the cool thing about that is being out here and COVID plays a part with it because obviously there's no tourism, mm -hmm. but I can tell that there aren't tourism. Like they're not, they're not heavily dependent on tourists. So going out mm -hmm. here in the streets, people are not used to seeing us. Just like you're talking about being in Peru, people are kind of like staring at us like we have three eyeballs, you know, and, and a lot of people ask us like if we're famous or if we're like because mm -hmm. the only like <laughs> the only americans that a lot of people out here interact with are on tv 
So when they see mm-hmm. us, they kind of already associate us with like movie stars or actors mm-hmm. or actresses and stuff. So that's been kind of funny. Um, just kind of like breaking down. No, we're just normal people like you guys. <laughs> I hear going places that are untraveled, like you said, tend, you tend to have a better experience because there's less uh, of that tourist expectation of people trying to swindle more money out of you or uh, trying to get you to do something you don't want to do, like have dinner in a certain place or go, go do a tour that's taken three times longer than it's supposed to. And I've actually been watching these. Uh, there's a guy who goes around and he travels everywhere and he went to Egypt and they, uh, he just wanted to walk and see the pyramids and, they would just bombard him with hey, camel ride. I'll show you everything. Uh, I'll charge you five times the price it's supposed to be. And he's like, I've lived here my whole life. I know, I know what I'm supposed to do or not. Do you have to do a lot of research before you go to the countries to make sure you're not overspending or just making sure you go to the right locations or. Yeah. I think the thing with that is I never blame the people. I always blame the stupid tourists. Like, because <laughs> They, they don't take any responsibility, really. They're mm-hmm. just, they just plop down somewhere and they, they basically, I don't know where to eat. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to, you know, and, and because of that, people have capitalized from that. And I say more power to you, you know, more power to you for mm-hmm. charging those people five times, you know, for the same tour that they can just go take on their own. Um, so I, I, I'm always like on the side of the people who actually live in the town that's being, you know, uh, I don't know, kind of like resourceful. <laughs> away from, away from the yeah. Like, the, like they're capitalizing on the situation and the people are kind of, you know, I, I see these tourists. I just feel like there's such a big difference between tourists and nomads. Like nomads have this, have this for the, for generally speaking, mm-hmm. they have this, um, feeling of this place is my home right now. So I treat everyone that I interact with as neighbors. These are my neighbors. This is my home. I'm not going to exploit any um, any place or people or animals or whatever. Whereas tourists, they kind of go into situations exploiting it. And I understand where they're coming from because they only get two weeks of vacation. So they're thinking, I need to make the most out of my time here in Egypt mm-hmm. or in Paris mm-hmm. or, you know, in Thailand. I need to make the most of this. So I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to just run havoc, basically. Like, I'm going to go touch a bunch of monkeys and I'm going to go, you know, destroy the, <laughs> the, the plants and, like, go, yeah. like, basically fuck shit up. And they don't mean any harm. They're just trying to enjoy themselves in their two weeks vacation. Um, so for, for being a digital nomad... I think the research part of it isn't really a big deal. Um, I think you have to just be okay with landing somewhere and saying, this is my home for whether it's one day or one month or whatever it is, this is my home today and I'm going to treat it as such. So I'm going to treat these people with the same respect that I would treat my neighbors back home with the same respect. I would treat my family or my friends. Um, I'm going to treat the animals, you know, with kindness. I'm going to, do my, you know, if I want to have a good meal, I'm going to take responsibility to find, okay, let me get on Google and do some research and find the best restaurant instead of just being kind of pushed around by the wind and like, oh yeah, let me just go to this guy who's screaming in my face to come eat mm-hmm. at his restaurant, you know? <laughs> so it's really just like taking that responsibility and that ownership. And that to me is the biggest difference between a tourist and a, and someone who's going to just kind of like explore and regardless of if it's a touristy place or not i think you can make non-touristy places 
really nice for yourself if you take responsibility. Definitely. Yeah, some, something uh, that, you know, I picked up from working with a lot of uh, tourists, you know, in overseas, um, may, not many people, but some are very, they just carry their arrogance from where they come from. And uh, they forget to leave that at home. They forget that they're in a, in a different place with different cultures. And, um, but, you know, typically what I found was that well-traveled people were and are the most uh, down-to-earth uh, yeah, people from, that I've met. And these type of people, they typically do um, respect the environment that they go visit. Uh, but like you said, you know, they, I mean, Americans, um, it sucks. I'm, I'm sure you li you're living it up right now because you don't have to wait for those two weeks every year to travel. Whereas, you know, Craig, <laughs> Craig and I are stuck here. <laughs> we, we have to... Uh, we have to work. We have we only have two weeks, and and nowadays with everything that's going on, you you can't even do anything anymore. So travel is pretty much off the table for us. Um, so, you know, on this topic, I, I wanted to know how was it that you got started? Um, you said that you used to go um, travel, and then you just you were supposed to be in Malaysia for three days, and now you're coming up on a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh being in this in, in this particular country mm -hmm. up until this point um i would just travel about so before malaysia i was in thailand for two months before that i was in hong kong and then before that i was in the states traveling through okay. california i love red wines so i was in paso robles oh, cool. um enjoying all my favorite wineries and you know we you know we've done all kinds of things like i've taken you know uh last summer yeah, last, not last summer, but the summer before, mm -hmm. um, we took a, a six-week road trip in the States um, to explore all the national parks and all the wineries around the coast. So it was just a magical trip. The funny thing is when people ever ask me, like, what's the best trip? That's always the first one that comes to my mind. I'm like, back home in the U.S. and, <laughs> and going to all the national parks. And it was just such a, a magical, oh, my God, so like Yellowstone is one of the most magical places on Earth. Um, it is so very anyways, great. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible, right? And so, um, so, anyways, where I was going with this is I've been to all these different places, but getting started, what, what, what was the catalyst of all of this mm -hmm. was actually minimalism. So before I even, I didn't even have it in my mind. I think it's cool when people do like, oh, I'm going to be a nomad and I'm just going to travel around and I'm not going to really have a official home. I think that's cool. That's great. But that's not what my journey was. I didn't mm -hmm. really plan this out. Um, what I was working on and what I was planning out was my minimalism journey. And so that started like six or seven years ago. And I started really taking inventory of what was important to me and what I was spending my time on. And then that started transitioning to, okay, what am I spending my money on? What am I spending, you know, all everything, basically like my energy, my time, my mindset, like what was everything, what was, what was I spending my day to day on consuming? And so once I started getting clear on what was important to me, I started getting really minimal in my life. Like everything and everything started to shift because I realized I didn't need all the things that society tells us we need. Um, and I didn't need to be doing all the things that society tells us we need to do. And I didn't associate myself with what everyone else was doing. I basically 
decided to kind of venture off from the pack and from there really started evaluating my, my life as a whole. And that really catapulted me into entrepreneurship and deciding mm-hmm. that I had to decide where, when and where I was going to work. So then I have flexibility and I don't need to be worrying about those two weeks vacation mm-hmm. or spending hours of my life in traffic, um, which is just a waste of time. I mean, great. It's great. Now Tell me about it. <laughs> so are, are you guys working at home? Or are you guys um, going into work or how does that work now in California? Well, um, I do. Um, I'm actually just starting a startup here with a property management company. Uh, so I, even though I, I am working from home most days, I, I am on the field. I do have to go out and look at real estate and assess different, um, you know, buildings and, and, you know, just tenant issues that we have. So traffic is still, it's back to normal, you know, for maybe six months, it was very minimal traffic. Nowadays it's, uh, it's, it's a headache, you know, it's never going to stop here in Orange County. Uh, we're like a central hub for a lot of work, so it's just part of life here. That and I, I worked in the restaurant business previous to all this, and I I could go back, but it's just so many different reasons why I would do that or continue to pursue other options. And the restaurant industry is kind of right now; it's it's kind of dead unless you have been in a restaurant that has been really successful or a big name, or you're in a great location, everything else died. And I was part of a a small family restaurant that had three stores. So it was already kind of on the fence and now it's just, it's just open to be open. And so uh, I'm just waiting for this all to kind of die down and uh, become normal life. And and I'm going to go into something new. Because, I don't know, the world does seem to be changing a lot. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and it, it, it kind of like accelerated everything, right? Yeah. So uh, all, all my buddies are in management of restaurants, and and they're all saying that it's pretty much them running the restaurant as, as the manager now. Because either people don't want to work or there's just not enough work. Yeah, th- there has been a significant change Um when it comes to working from home, see a lot of office, a lot of corporations that had their operations in an office realized that through COVID, you know, having people uh, at the office was actually costing them more money than, than having them work at home remotely. So it's a change that I'm, I'm starting to see here. Um, it's taking place most of the office buildings, you know, it, you can't see more than it's probably eight in 10 that you see, you know, for lease signs. So you can definitely see a shift in the market on how people are going remote. So I don't know. I think that we have to figure it out. You know, I think that, um, I think that this is also giving a lot of people uh, the opportunity to do something like you are where they don't have to be tied down to an office nine to five, they can work from home or they can travel. Um, I think it's going to open a lot of doors. I'm, I'm very excited to see where it's going to go from here. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like I was part of the whole rat race. And then when I decided like, I'm, I'm done with this, I'm going to dive into entrepreneurship and, and take that route and decide how many hours I'm going to work a day, where I'm going to work from, you know, working from home. That was almost five years ago, going on six years ago. Yeah, five years ago mm-hmm. and making that decision, you know, when a lot of people weren't like a lot of people are like, I think it's still people like family and friends. They're still like, what do you even do? I don't even know what you do. You know, so working online has been normal for me in the last five years. And obviously none of us could foresee COVID pushing things forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I don't think location independence is for everyone, but obviously I'm a huge proponent of it because I think, um, it gives you really great perspective and gives you so much freedom to live anywhere and explore the huge, you know, this huge world that we live in. And it just, it it really travel expands your mind and expands you uh, as a, as a human. So, so I obviously am a, a, I'm in that camp, but it does come with its challenges. And, And like I was saying, it wasn't until we traveled, uh, we had a trip through Europe and it was like, four or five weeks long and we were still running our business on a completely different time zone. And mm-hmm. I was realizing like, Oh, we can actually run our business that's based in the U S in any time zone, as long as we have the system set up. Right. So yeah, that right. forced us to make sure that we have all of our systems Trump tight in our business so that we can run it basically. So the business can run itself. And we're just basically, you know, working on the business and not in the business like we were before going completely remote. So you mentioned minimalism, right? Um, I, I'm wondering, was minimalism part of what you were already doing? Was it like a, a almost like a side effect of you having to go travel for work and then you realize that you don't need a lot of things or how did that come about? Because that's a pretty big perception change. You know, not, not a lot of people can do that. Mm hmm. Yeah, for sure. And the minimalism came first, actually. So I started taking inventory and I started with the easy stuff, the small stuff for me. Like I always tell someone like the easy stuff is your things, you know, how many pairs of shoes you have and how many handbags you have. And if, if anyone who knows me knows that I used to have a whole entire room that was a closet. Like I had a, a closet that looked like Kim Kardashian, but I wasn't Kim Kardashian. I was just <laughs> deeply into consumerism and filling my life with things. You know, that mm-hmm. brought me um, immediate gratification. That brought me significance. That made me feel important. You know, if I had a nice outfit on, you know, that made me feel like, and I had to have m- multiple, you know, I still like, and that's the beautiful thing about minimalism. People always think that they have to get rid of things that they love. Like, oh, I, I like my nice car. I like mm-hmm. my nice house. You know, I like my vacation home. I like all these things. Um, you know, I want all these handbags. The thing that you will realize and you only realize through the process of starting with the very easy things like the pairs of shoes and the handbags and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you'll learn that you can actually have everything you want, but you do not need all of the things that you think you need. You get very, very clear on what you love and what's important to you. And Mm -hmm. you still do and have the things that you love and you have even more of it. It's kind of a, it's an interesting journey that it's hard to explain whether until you actually experience for Mm -hmm. for yourself. Now don't, don't, uh, don't they uh, tie a motto to it? Like less is more. Right. Is that, yeah, that's, that's 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 one of my models for sure. <laughs> Some people would say the same about me. I'm a very frugal person. 
it, when it comes down to to anything, uh, we go out to dinner, and my first thing is not looking at what they have; it's looking at the prices, and then from the prices, decide which food I like the best. <laughs> and it, yeah, it, it becomes a habit. Like growing up, my parents always taught me how to how to save money. I get an allowance; one dollar goes to the bank, one dollar goes to church, and the rest I can do whatever I want with. And that taught me a lot about being, being responsible with my money and and, and the time because I then transitioned when I went and started my first job, I was able to save money, was able to keep some values, and uh, it kind of just jumps into like everything you do, and uh, you can you can use it even with an emotional side as well. Like you said, how when you meet people out there you can show them love you can also be be firm and uh, and not be take advantage of like we were talking about earlier if you go to like a tourist area and and that's something that i i, I noticed when i was watching uh the example i was talking about earlier with uh egypt is he was very when i say what i want that's what i want if i don't want it i don't want it thank you but there was no moment of of anger it was just no Thank you. You have a good one. And, and you learn that from, from, from being minimalistic in a sense, you, you don't need all these levels of extra. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, extra, yeah. Extra gratifications. And it, it, it's yeah, a good feeling because yeah, because you know, what's important to you. Like you, mm-hmm. because if you don't know what's important to you, someone else will be there to tell you. Someone else mm-hmm. will tell you, oh, you need this. You need this new car. You need, you need this job. You need these accolades, whatever. Someone will yeah. tell you because you don't know. You're not, you're not fully in tune with what's important to you and what's going to bring you fulfillment in life. And if you're not, someone else will, will be there to give it to you. That's, and I'm all supportive for that. That's, that's, uh, you know, capitalistic uh, ca- capitalism. And I, I believe in that. So. It's really up to you to decide and determine, okay, what am I going to have in my life? So, Renee, what what was the most difficult thing you had to get rid of? <laughs> if you had one <laughs> or many. Great, great. No, that's a great question. Um, oh, because one thing I, wa- I do want to touch on, but I will answer your question because mm-hmm. it will help me think about it, is it's a journey and it's something that everyone has like little tips and tricks. And I have my own too that worked for me. It took me four years to get rid of all my stuff. And when I say everything, I literally have a backpack that's on the back of my back. That's like Mm -hmm. the size of a carry-on and that's it. And that's coming from someone who does like nice things. I do like, you know, nice, comfortable, you know, expensive clothes. I do, I do like nice things. Um, and that's okay. I do. And I, if I want nice things, I get nice things, but I don't need so much of it. I don't need Mm -hmm. so many of, of, of those things. So I think. With that being said, because I am a, a very girly girl, it was all of my skincare products and my oils and my, you know, I all the makeup and um, you, you guys, maybe if you guys have like sisters or wives or whatever, you know, like you go into a girl's restroom and you're like, what is all this shit? Like, do you really <laughs> need all this shit? And I was that person. I had drawers, drawers of like lipsticks and this and that and the, and all these things. And these things brought me, brought me uh, joy. They did because mm-hmm. I do like putting on makeup. I do like, you know, getting dressed up and doing all that girly stuff, but I needed to figure out how I was going to 
pare that down to the stuff that I really cared about. And a big part of that too was being more conscious about those products. Where did they come from? Who made them? What were these like, like literally people aren't even aware, like there's little children, you know, Mm -hmm. mining for mica and that's in all your skincare products. Like when you think about that, it also helps you kind of pare down because you're like, okay, I don't need 16 lipsticks. And where did those lipsticks come from? So that was another piece too, for me shifting, um, into all of the products that I was putting on my body. Like, is this, these chemicals can't be good for me. What am I doing with all this on my body? So that played a role with me being able to release those attachments and get rid of all Mm -hmm. of that stuff. But that is, yeah, that, that, that's definitely when it comes to like skincare and face creams and, you know, makeups and all that. That was the hardest thing for me, believe it or not. Man, that's that's interesting because now it's like, you know, I have now I have a skincare routine and I'm like, man, do I really need that? <laughs> yeah. You know? And you know what's so funny about it is once I stopped putting all this shit on my face, my skin got so much better. And I'm like, okay, I was using all these acne creams and all this. And and I'm like, well, now I don't have pimples because all I'm using is I clean my face with honey. And so (laughs) I've never heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get, I don't want, now we're going to start talking about skincare routine. (laughs) Get you guys going on your, on your minimalism. That's fine. It's funny though. It's like, I'm like, wait, I'm, I'm cleaning my face with, with honey and and now I don't have any acne versus I was spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on skincare cream that is full of chemicals and full of who knows who made them and Mm -hmm. how they were treated and what all was happening ethically um, to create those products for me that was actually giving me more acne. It's just, it's so funny how things really do like in the minimalism, um, you know, having that shift in mindset and putting that work into getting you there and that journey, how it Mm -hmm. all kind of starts working full circle. And it's like, oh, I definitely didn't need all this stuff. My body didn't need all this stuff either. Yeah. Yeah. People, uh, we forget that we can adapt to everything. You know, we we're filled with, uh, like you said, consumerism. We need to be. On the latest trend, you have a new, the new style comes out, everybody jumps on it. Uh, You know, everything is just the trends and how they're sold. And now, I mean, even for this podcast, like if, if I'm on Facebook or whatever, I have, I get ads to add more things uh, for this podcast. So, you know, just, I guess being aware of everything that you you just need, not that you want. And I think that that's a good start. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. And it's okay. Uh, that's the other thing too. Like some people get on these, these, uh, high horses about, you know, uh, what, you know, not having anything and like bragging about being a minimalist or bragging about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, being conscious about where their products are coming from. And I don't, I don't play those games. I really do think that everyone's on their own journey and whatever is important to you. That's the biggest and most important part is like, just ask yourself the question. Why do I want this? Like, really, why do I want this? Is this because I'm being influenced by a family member or a friend or a commercial or whatever? Like just being a little more conscious of why do I want this? Or why do I feel like I need this? And it's, it's challenging because once you start going in the minimalist, minimalistic journey personally, like when it comes to consuming things, then you're going to start thinking, okay, how can I, how can I integrate that in my work life? Because it's not any different. Like I know as a business owner, just like you're saying about the podcast, 
Oh, now I got to do all these social media platforms. Now I need to do all of these fancy things with, you know, um, uh, I don't know, whatever the hell people are doing. Mm -hmm. They're writing all this content or they have to do all these videos and do all these fancy, whatever. And it's like, no, you don't. You don't need to do all of these things. Again, if you're not clear about what you actually need to move the needle forward, what you actually need to bring you fulfillment and joy in your life, someone will be right there to tell you what you need. Oh, you need, you need this new product. Oh, you need mm -hmm. this new, um, productivity tool. You need to use Asana or you need a, a VA or you need, you know, to be on all these social media platforms. Like you said, you need these new headphones. You need this new mic. And it's like, no, you don't. No, you don't because you're clear about what you need. You're clear about what you're doing. You're clear about what's bringing you fulfillment. See, Greg? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we say, we say this a lot. We talk about, uh, how, Traditional tools, like let's say a shovel, the purpose of a shovel is to dig. A shovel doesn't call out to you and say, hey, come use me. You use it for its purpose and you put it down. And, and that that's one of the, the talking points we, we seem to consistently come back in every conversation we have to, to that concept of use the tool for its purpose, don't overuse it. Well, we, we had an episode in uh, recent months where we dove in into the social dilemma. Have you ever seen that documentary? And that was very shocking, you know, to see how people are manipulated. And it just seems that people don't have any self-control anymore. And I mean, I, I say that about myself, too, because I know that I've been influenced. I know that I've been manipulated into you know, clicking an ad or whatever it may be. Um, but I, I find that more and more uh, with people. And the more I talk to people, I feel like, well, are these your thoughts or who, where did you get this or who told you that? Or, you know, and uh, I mean, I guess that's the purpose of this podcast is that we're trying to understand uh, people like yourself who think differently so that other people uh, you know, if we, if they tune in, they can get something out of it. Like, you know, we have, I have a friend who literally just got rid of everything. You know, he's living at his, at, um, I'm not going to say who, but he's living at his dad's office. Uh, he literally sold everything, all his belongings. He only has what he needs. Uh, he works remotely. So it works out. Um, it's something that I thought about, but because I'm married, it's like, it's going to be, it's going to be really hard to convince my wife to even, you know, and, and, and it's not to say that she's not that, that she's not frugal because she is, but there are always something that, you know, we want that we don't need that we find an excuse just to, to get something, you know, but, um, I mean, so. I guess on on that note, how are you? How how are you and your partner? Um, like, how did that work? Like, did you kind of talk him into it, or was it mutual? Or because I think that that's important for the people that have uh, partners, and if they would want to try minimalism, and you know, when you have two opposing views, it's kind of hard to have some common ground. Yeah, definitely. And I want to talk, don't let me forget guys. I want to talk about the whole frugal thing. Cause that's come mm -hmm. up and I, I have an opinion about that. And I think it helps a lot of people because that might be part of it where they, they don't like it or whatever. So we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, um, so my partner and I have been 
always on the same page. And I think that's important, right? Like you, you know, with your wife, like mm-hmm. people rush to get into relationships and they rush to get married. And it's like, do you guys really have share the same core beliefs? So let's just assume that you and your, and your spouse, your partner, whoever share the same core beliefs. I think that's important. All this other stuff is peripheral, you know, whatever. Um, so we're, we were here, but you know, it's kind of like this, like he mm-hmm. actually, I think he had more clothes than I did. I think he had more, I think he, it was funny, you know, he had more clothes than I did. And so he, he was, was Kanye. Kind of like, oh yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it was like, you know, and he would talk trash about my, about my lipsticks and I'm like, well, wait a second. How, do you know where all your shoes are in your house? You know? So we were kind of like this, but also we knew we were, we were, at, at the core on the same page. So, you know, we would kind of share information with each other. Like I remember, I'm trying to think back, you know, six, seven years ago, sharing YouTube videos with each other about people who were minimalist and they had, you know, minimalist checklists or whatever, mm-hmm. or sharing, you know, documentaries that we, that we saw and we shared it with each other. Like there's a good documentary. Um, it's pretty old by now. It's called the true cost. And it's all about, you know, the, the true cost of fast fashion and, um, and just being aware of like what you're putting on your body and, and where it came from and just having that awareness doesn't mean that you need to, you know, again, get on a high horse or change your whole thing over, but it just makes you more conscious about where your clothes are coming from. And there's tons of information and documentaries and books about this, about people who can, um, who can talk about the, but I think that's a good starting point. Like I know it was for, for him and I, regardless of it, if it was me telling him about minimalism or him telling me about, um, about, uh, minimalism or me telling him about a documentary about where things are coming from or whatever it might be, we would share this information with each other because we, we are the partnership where we help each other grow. Mm -hmm. And that was just kind of like something that we both shared mutually, um, mutual issues with like kind of realizing what's really important to us in life and what do we really want out of life. And if it was something like I was doing the, what I call the box method, a lot of people um, do this. You can find information about it. So it's basically where you go through your closet. Like most people do like a spring training or whatever, or spring training, (laughs) a spring cleaning. And you go through your stuff and you say, okay, I'm not ready to get rid of this stuff because I have these attachments to it. So maybe that's your closet. Maybe that's your kitchen. Maybe it's your garage, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you, instead of getting rid of it, because that could be kind of scary, you just put it in a box. Okay. It's going to, all this stuff is going to go in this box. And I'm going to write in big black Sharpie a date that is six months out. And on that date, I'm going to throw that shit away. So, and I don't mean throw it away. I mean, like find a second home for it. So you can right. have a garage sale. You can, uh, not a garage sale. Cause some people actually, they, they won't sell it. They'll say like, Oh no, this is, this is $500. You can't have this. So, so just donate it, you know, give it to somebody try to find a second home for it. I, I wouldn't advise throwing in the trash, obviously. So you would, you do that. But what you'll realize is in those six months, if you needed any of that stuff, you would have gone and grabbed it. And now it's no longer in the box. So it actually has useful purpose. It actually mm-hmm. has more life in it, that object. Um, mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about parting with things. Now, at, when the six months is there, you look at the box and you're like, oh yeah, I'm cool with getting rid of all this stuff. It just makes things easier. So like little things like that, you can kind of share as you're going along the journey with your partner that helps them move along. Because I do not, again, I think it's cool for people, like you said, your friend, maybe he did that over, over a, a week or a month, maybe however long it took him to get rid of all of this stuff. 
my journey was like four years. Like it was a long time because you know, I had a house, I had a car lease. You know, you have things you, you're not just going to be like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm just going to like give the car back. It doesn't work that way. Like right. in reality, there's right. some nuances to, to really getting rid of all of your stuff and it takes time. So just kind of like those little tools and tactics and tricks and resources that you can find online to share with your partner. I think that's a good starting point. Yeah. And, and not just that, I imagine that the changing the habits was probably the most difficult thing. Um, you know, that's something that we like to talk about quite a lot here is uh, ba well basically i just spill spill the beans right i just say everything um what i'm struggling with how long it's taking me to get over certain you know bad habits or whatever like for for instance i'll share this one with you uh we like i we were so dedicated to working out and being healthy and whatnot and then you know right now it's uh uh, what is it? February 17th, 2021. It's already two and a half months into the new year where we haven't even stepped into the gym. So uh, it's just this thing like that, you know, um, sometimes it's, it's harder to change uh, yourself than, than the world around you. And uh, so, like you said, you know, finding those resources like the YouTube clips and, and all these things uh, that's available online uh, can help speed up the process, I imagine. Yeah. And you, you brought up a great point because you really can't change the outside world. You can't change the world. You can only change what you're doing right and your thoughts. So one thing that you mentioned that makes me think about, you know, you're like, oh, we're already a month, you know, a month and a half into the new year and we haven't set, a, a, you know, we haven't um, stepped into a gym. Well, instead of us thinking about what we did or didn't do, you can only think about what you can do today, right? Mm -hmm. And setting up your environment so that it supports you. One thing that I, um, I love to do is 30 day challenges. Some people do like 60 day challenges, not whatever. And, and there's different ways to go about it. For me personally, what I found to work is a 30 day challenge. And what you do is it's, and you make it really super, super stupid, simple. Like if it was the gym, for example, cause I've had this one too, where I fell off and I'm like, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not feeling it. You know, I have to work. Cause a lot of times when I travel, like they don't have a gym, you know, so right. if they don't have a gym. I have to figure out what am I going to do? Right. So in this example of the gym is my 30 day challenge starting tomorrow is going to be that I'm going to stretch my body for five minutes. That is my minimum. My minimum is that I'm going to stretch my body for five minutes. And what you're going to see happen is that five minutes turns into 10 minutes, turns into a run, turns into now I'm doing bench press or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now I'm looking up, you know, apps that are going to help me with my workout. I'm higher, you know, it's going to catapult you into other things and growing that habit into a lot more. But I love the 30 day challenge because it's just keeping you accountable and it's only thinking about that day, that 30 day challenge. And it just feels so rewarding that you mark it off. So I don't do anything fancy. You can use a calendar or you can just, I've also like, I, if I didn't have a calendar, I just like on a piece of paper, make 30 squares, you know, and, and number them one to 30 and you just cross them off every day. Yep. I did my five minutes of stretching. I did my, and you do not, you do not add to it. That's the biggest problem that I see people do is they then think, Oh, okay. I did five days of my five minute stretching. Well, now I'm also going to start, you know, eating vegan because that's mm -hmm. really healthy too. So I'm not going to eat any meat starting tomorrow. Let me add that to my 30 day challenge. Right. It's like, no, just do the one thing for 30 days. And then it's going to be at that point, a habit. 
Again, more mm-hmm. people, you know, people need, some people need 60. So if you feel whatever you need, but at the end of the 30 days, it's going to feel natural to you. It's going to feel like you're not wanting it, especially with exercise. Your body's going right. to be like, oh yeah, this is, this is part of who I am. Forget mm-hmm. what you didn't do last month. Who gives it, who gives a crap about that? You know, you just have the 30 day challenge in front of you now. Yeah, th- that's very good advice. Um, Greg, what do you think? <laughs> Well, I don't know. That's just, that's just talk- what I do. That's just yeah. what I do. It's not advice. You know, that's either take it or leave it, whatever. <laughs> I actually started back in the gym this week. I actually put a, a program together. Um, it's three days on, one day off. And it seems like a very simple thing to do because uh, you still get the break. And I made it very simple, kind of like how you said, just to make sure to, to do it. Uh, I, I do, I've just started doing a lot of walking because. I moved to an area where I can just walk to everything I need to do. And since there's nothing else to do, <laughs> I, I, I don't take my car places anymore. So that on top of the, the, the three, three days is a way for me to, to jump into it and get to it. Cause Marco and I have a, a challenge. We're trying to hit a goal by uh, July. July. I think we said 4th of July, 4th of July. It, mm-hmm. where we're going to be uh Doing something a little humiliating, so we better be in shape. <laughs> so you guys, you guys are going to be like fitness models. Is that the- we, we we better be? <laughs> no, that's cool. You, get, you guys, you know, you have like accountability partners. Like that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be more like uh, the uh, Oscar Mayer winner calendar shoot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys better send me pictures. That's that's awesome. That's hilarious. What we plan to do calendar. You know, you're keeping it simple and like walking is so underrated. Like that's what I realized too in this last year of just like, okay, really I have no nothing else to do but walk. Like you said, say I was in the same boat. I'm like, man, walking's really underrated. But then people are like, No, I'm gonna run ten miles. It's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you're just gonna injure yourself, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow you're not gonna be able to walk. Next day you're not gonna do it again, and then you're just done. Yeah, setting yourself up for failure. The, the box, uh, I think you said it was box method. I actually do something similar, but I make it a whole lot more annoying for me. I put everything in a bag so it's like awkwardly like shaped and it's sitting out. And I throw it in my kitchen. So every time I walk by, I, I end up kicking it. And eventually I'm just like, nah, this is, get this out of here. And I throw it in my car. <laughs> and then whenever I, I, I usually go to like Goodwills and, and all that. I'm, I'm very thrifty. Uh, I'll eventually just drop it off there, but uh, I have been using that method without knowing other people use it. <laughs> Yours yeah, actually is right. probably more effective because it's more like in your face. Like, no, we're getting rid of this crap. Yeah, it's all done. Now, we had mentioned something about being frugal, so I didn't want to lose that train of thought too. So, just yeah, just a yeah. reminder. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and and Greg brought it up again because I'm too. Like I have never really been a saver. I've been more of, let me find the best deals. Like if Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm getting a deal, then that justified it in my mind to make the purchase. And so I've never really been much of a saver. I was more of a spender, but one thing, you know, one thing, and it's just, this is just facts that when you are on an entrepreneurial journey and you're choosing to create your own income, you're going to have a lot more income coming in because no one's 
dictating how much you're going to be mm-hmm. paid hourly or what your commission split's going to be or whatever. You're dictating how much money you're going to make, right? So whenever you're in a, a sales role where you can make as much money commission-based or your entrepreneur where you're deciding how much money you're going to make, then you're obviously going to have a lot more money coming in. But so even, even with me, me now, you know, five years ago, starting that entrepreneurial journey and now being more in control of the income coming in, I never budget. I never budget. I never um, make decisions solely based on how much it costs. My number one thing is, is what, what do I really want? And like, what, what are my standards? So for example, I'll give you an example because traveling is huge. You have to, mm-hmm. you're going to travel within your means because right. you can budget travel, travel. Like you can ride on chicken buses or hitchhike or, mm-hmm. you know, sleep, you know, couch surf, or Hostels. you can be flying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you can be flying in private jets and, and you can have someone, you know, private driver drive you around and all that. So there's like, when you travel, there's like a huge gap between, mm-hmm. you know, all the possibilities and all the choices. So I really don't consider myself like a budgeter. Like I do, cause I do not budget. I do not budget at all because I know what is important to me. And I use that as the guiding light. So I'll give you an example, like places that you're going to stay when you're on vacation, for example. So when I'm looking at Airbnbs, I have requirements. Like I want a nice view. That's important to me. So even though I know that the apartment's going to be more expensive and someone could say like these people around here, they're, they always ask like, well, how much do you pay? You know, how much, how much are you paying for your apartment? When I tell them they like fall out of their chair, they're like, oh my God, that's too expensive. You know, for, you know, the Malaysian people here, they're like, that's crazy expensive, but they don't have the same values as I have. Like mm-hmm. I want a very comfortable space. I want a very comfortable bed. I want a nice view. I want um, enough space. I want two bedrooms and two baths. And people don't understand that. They're like, wait, you're only two people. Why do you need two bedrooms, two baths? So it's just, that's for me that I want to feel comfortable, you know, working at home. Um, I want to make sure there's enough space and we're going to be comfortable. We're not going to be squeezing ourselves into a studio to save money because mm-hmm. that's now impacting the quality of my life. Right. So so that's my whole concept of frug- you know being frugal and if that makes sense like I think that you can kind of restrict yourself trying to save money but but reality what you should do is kind of turn that around like okay what's really important to me and and I'm willing to pay for those things that are important to me and other things I don't find value and I'm not going to spend money on that like obviously I'm yeah. not spending the money on a bunch of Chanel bags because that's not important to me mm-hmm that's now, what we oh go ahead marco oh now is this something that goes you know side by side with the nomadic lifestyle where you you've inc- you well you have now a a new sort of um freedom you can say freedom and uh is that the reason why like you want to have the liberty to to do what you want right but obviously you're going to cut back on in some areas of your life so that you can have for the things you actually want, not the things that you thought you wanted. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. Like if you can only imagine how low my lifestyle overhead is, because I don't have a car lease. I don't Mm -hmm. have a mortgage. I don't, you know, I don't have all of these things that I used to have. I don't have to buy, you know, a bunch of um, clothes, you know, to make me feel good and make sure that I look, you know, professional when I go into the office because I don't, I don't do any of those things. So even when I was, um, even when I was like, 
back home and I would, I had, you know, had a bunch of family and friends and everything. I would take Ubers everywhere. I'm like, and they're like, and it's, and it's weird to people. I don't know about now, maybe it's more acceptable, but mm-hmm. it was always weird to people. And they're like, no, 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 we'll give you a ride. Or like, no, I actually love taking Ubers. I enjoy it. It is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I have someone drive me around. I don't have to worry about parking. I don't have to worry about fixing my tire that blew right. out. Or it's just like, a, it's for me, the life that I want. And naturally things will get your, your, what you spend your money on will start to reallocate. Right. Right. So I don't spend money on those things, but when I want to go have a nice dinner or I want a nice, um, workout clothes, like I buy the best of the best. I buy the best Mm -hmm. of the best workout clothes. If I want a nice meal, I'm going to buy the best of the best steak. I'm not going to go eat some shitty steak at a garbage place. 99 cent store. Yeah, no offense to you, Greg. No offense to you. (laughs) I don't take offense. (laughs) You know, we have different values, right? Like, like, I'm like, no, I want the Wagyu. Like that, that, I want the nice meal. I want the nice glass of cab, you know? So it's, it's whatever you, you know, value and other people will have different things, you know, that they value. But I think knowing that you really are never frugal because you're spending your money on what you want and what, mm-hmm. and what really brings you joy and abundance in your life. You don't ever have to think about budgets. I never, I never think about a budget. Yeah. I, I don't think about budgets either. Actually. <laughs> Everyone's always like, set it, uh, make sure to track all your spending. And it's just, you don't need to when you only get what you actually need. And exactly. uh, that's how I was kind of raised. And so I, I understand that. It is much easier. And the whole Uber thing, I, I totally think more and more people need to do that. I would do that. I have a son, so I have to drive him places. So I can't do that. But it it's definitely cheaper. And I've, I've done the math so many times, and I don't understand why more people don't do it. Yeah, yeah. It, all, it all depends on your lifestyle, like, yeah. you know, wh- whether it's going to be, um, you know, more cost effective or not. But you can think about I think it is important for people to think about, OK, again, going back to like, why do I actually want the car that I think I want? You know, because society's telling me I need this kind of car because that means something about me. Think about that, obviously. And then also think about, OK, if I wasn't spending that money on that car what else could I be spending that money on? That mm-hmm. stuff that I actually do enjoy. And that's even if you are not, you know, entrepreneurship and, 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 um, commission-based jobs, that again is not for everybody. So maybe you are like, no, I'm cool. Like I, I like my employee, you know, style, uh, a gig. Well, even with that, you can still start thinking about what you're spending your time and money on and how you can be minimalistic in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Those are really good points. Um, now, when it comes to uh, the the traveling, right? So, how have you picked the destinations that you like? For instance, like right now, you you ended up in Malaysia. How long have you been there? Um, so March will be a year. Wow! I think it was like I think it was like March tenth. We we arrived in Kuala Lumpur. So how you know how how did you guys arrive to that? decision to go there so my style and our style because we're a team you know me and my mm-hmm. partner we we look at where we want to go um and i'm gonna talk pre-covid because this obviously has changed travel right i'm i'm thinking 
what I'm seeing, like my vision for the future of travel is that more people are going to be traveling and more people, even though people are like, oh, business travel is going to be way down. Yeah, of course. But I really do think that just, you know, regular people with more flexibility, they're going to be working from home where they're like, well, actually I can work from anywhere. So Mm -hmm. I really do think that in the next you know, two, three, four years, whatever is going to be even more travel. So pre pre COVID, let's just go back to there. And what I do think is going to be the future in the next, you know, maybe even, maybe even a year with this whole vaccine stuff. So we just take it place by place. And I, we both are comfortable with uncertainty. And that is a big part of, if you are interested in, in being, you know, more travel bound or a a nomad lifestyle is you have to be cool with uncertainty. You have Mm -hmm. to, and you have to actually embrace it. And I love it. Like it's exciting to me. So I'll just give you an example of last year, what we did. I can talk about prior trips, but we just kind of said, okay, we're going to go to this region of Southeast Asia. So we'll just start in Hong Kong and just go from there. So we knew we wanted to go from Hong Kong to Chiang Mai. And then after Chiang Mai, we just kind of took it week to week. So we'll plan our next trip, um, depending on where we, where we physically are and what the options are with the airlines and what the options are with the Airbnb. Cause again, what's important to me is that I have a nice, nice accommodations. So a lot of times my decision-making our, our decision-making when it comes to the trip is where are the nice Airbnbs at? Cause I want to be comfortable. And again, I want to feel like it's home. You know, I want to be there for two weeks or maybe two months. And so I want to feel comfortable enough. I don't want to just stay in some like crappy motel or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, what's your schedule? Like what's your typical schedule? Like, uh, for, well, first of all, I don't think we talked about what you guys do for work. You know, I don't know if you're, if, if that's okay, if you want to talk about that, um, what, what's, what do you guys do for work and how has it kept you, uh, afloat? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we run an equipment financing business which mm-hmm. means all the small businesses back home in the States when they're going to buy equipment for their business. So for example, uh, a medical clinic is going to buy an ultrasound unit and they go to the ultrasound you know, sellers and they're like, okay, I'm ready to buy well, the ultrasound. We partner with the ultrasound seller so that that person offers their customer financing. So instead of that customer paying, you know, 25 K for the ultrasound right. unit, we, we get them approved for the payments and instead they pay 500 bucks a month. Oh, Cool. It's really interesting. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, so we partner with equipment sellers that way and offer their customers the financing and that is our business. And that is the business that's, you know, based in the States and we're able to run that business remotely. Um, because what we basically set up is we set up the business to run itself essentially. So we, Mm we we put up, we put all the legwork in and creating all of these systems and creating a method of how we go about our business and how we get business and how we get leads in and how we, um, you know, have our partnerships with the equipment sellers so that the business is ran very minimally. And there's really not a whole lot of effort that goes into it because it's just completely leveraged on the system that we built out. Man, that's really cool. You know, that's, I hope that that's giving some people some ideas as to, um, you know, just questioning their, their life, you know, what, where they are at this point in time, it's, are you happy going to, you know, being stuck in traffic for an hour commuting to be there for eight, nine hours, and then an hour back home. And, 
Is that fulfilling your life? Like, what can you be doing with that time? You know, for me, uh, maybe pre-COVID, I was losing about two hours a day just sitting in traffic. And, you know, what what did I do? Well, you know, I could I put on an audiobook or listen to a podcast and then this idea came and and then that's when I said, oh, you know, with this whole COVID thing, working remotely, it gives me more flexibility to do other things, you know, and um, I think that it's really important for people to assess their situation. Um, obviously, you know, it's worked out for you. Um, it may not be the same thing for me or for Greg or for the or for our listeners, uh, but it's something that I feel like, uh, like you said, like the the future of travel is going to be. Um, I th- I also think that it's going to come back in in a bigger way just because people are locked and and people are uh, at home and they want to get out and they have all this pent up energy that needs to be released. So. I'm sure that the next generations like like myself, like the millennial or gener- what is the next one? Generation X, I believe, or Z. I, I forget where we're at. I don't follow those in. <laughs> I feel like most of those kids will be working remotely. You know, this COVID thing definitely is going to be influencing the market and it's going to be shifting the jobs that way. Um, but, you know, if, if you had to, let's say that you had a young person who said, Renee, um, how do I get started with this whole minimalism thing? And how can I find either a company or, you know, uh, finance my own idea to become an entrepreneur and have my own business? Like, what would your advice be? Yeah, for sure. So because we're so blessed with so many options and so much information, right? Like you mm-hmm. can just open up your phone or open up your laptop and there's a ton of ways like, okay, make make money online, build a business, you know, all these things. So I think the, the most important thing is, again, going back to the main questions, like what's important to you and what do you want and why do you want it? And you're gonna be able to use that as your foundation. But again, it, it it really doesn't matter what you do, what you do like you there's again, there's so many choices out there. What matters is that, you know, your why, like, why are you choosing? Um, why are you going this direction? Whatever business it might be, you know, whatever entrepreneurial journey it might be. What is that? Why behind that? Because that's going to drive you forward. Nothing else, because you can say, oh, this business didn't work for me because of how, you know, the, whatever, how it's set up, or I didn't get enough, I didn't get enough leads or I didn't make enough contacts or it's not lucrative enough. It's all up to what is that? Why driving, driving what you're doing? And is that strong enough for what you're doing? Like, obviously I'm a huge proponent of what we do in equipment financing, because Mm -hmm. it has given us so much freedom that we can just work minimally. I mean, I think I worked 10 minutes today. So you don't need to put in all of these hours. And even on the front end, when I first got started, I was only working like four hours a day. So a lot of people who start on their journey, you know, it's, it's like anything and any business is going to be like this. You're going to pump the well in the beginning and you're going to get it going. But once you have the right systems in place, 
you can you can put your put your foot off the pedal and let your business run itself and mm-hmm. that is true but you have to have that strong why of why you want to build that business why you want to build that lifestyle for yourself why you want that freedom of whatever that might be like if you want to live nomadically you have to have a strong why of why you want that lifestyle and what that lifestyle is going to give you and you and if you have that you are going to be successful in whatever you're doing. So for us, like we, we show people how to start their own equipment finance business. We started our own business from scratch. It's not something you don't need special permission for it. You don't need, you know, a background in financing. So we show people how they can create their own equipment financing business as well, because we believe in that, but you can go out and do anything. I mean, the, the choices are endless. You just have to know your, your strong why behind it. Yeah. I imagine that you encountered some obstacles through right uh you said you've been running this business for how many years for five years five years to five years what was one of the main um obstacles uh was it like um oh but you know we don't have to talk about like financial hardship or anything like that but more of a mental or attitude or you know i'm sure that you've sometimes must have questioned yourself as to why you were doing that. But then again, you went back to your why and you reassured yourself that it was worth the effort and now you're reaping the rewards, right? But, but what, what, what is one of the biggest obstacles that you faced uh, just mentally, just so that people can get an idea of what it takes? Because I, I, I hear it a lot on self-help books. It's, you can be successful, you know, the, what is it? The, I think I read one called The Secret about the law of attraction and all. Yeah, and it sounds great and everything, but at the end of the day, you still have to put in the work. And that's what people are missing. So I just want to give people a glimpse of, you know, something that you had to face in order to be at this uh, place where you are now. Yeah, for sure. I love that you brought that up because... It's, it's hard to describe what we do because I do, I, I, I'm fired up about it because it is, it is really, it is easy. I do like to mm-hmm. use the word easy because it is, it's, it's easy and simple, but I also don't like to sidestep like, oh, you don't have to do any work. You know, it is lucrative. It's much more lucrative than other businesses out there, even similar businesses in the commercial lending space, but you do have to do the work. And most of the work is up here. So I love that you brought this up because I can tell you, and, and I can also tell you the challenges do not end. I don't have challenges that I had five years ago, four years ago, three years ago that don't exist now. I have the same challenges. So I can, the first thing that came to my mind when you said that is this need for perfection, this need to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Like everything, you know, has to be perfect. It has to be completely dialed in. I can't make a mistake. You know, I have to talk to this person on the phone with, with, um, you know, and and just come across very elegant and knowledgeable Mm -hmm. and know Mm -hmm. that, you know, they need to know that I know all my information. And it, it is the biggest battle for me because it actually, it's funny how it works. It actually keeps me from taking action and it keeps me from actually showing up authentically and connecting with people authentically. And that's all business is, is business is about making those connections with other people for them to say, okay, yeah, I want to do business with that person or I want to partner with that person. Mm -hmm. Like what they, what they have to say sounds good. It's not about being an expert. It's not about being perfect. It's not about any of those things that, that my mind wants to tell me it's about. It's all about just showing up and doing the work and, and taking action. Um, so I always, still to this day, I have to remind myself, doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be done. 
Yeah, that's actually a really good point because that seems to be something that um, I actually have trouble with, you know, with uh, with particularly with this podcast and the way it's, you know, going. And um, also with the startup that I'm working on, uh, we, you know, believe it or not, I don't know how long it typically takes, but we've been working on this brand for uh, a better half than I think eight to nine months. And I'm just finishing like the final touches on the website. And it's, uh, it's, you know, I, it's like, Oh, I don't have the right picture and it's not conveying the message that I want. And, you know, it it just, like you said, it keeps you from taking action. And, and uh, I mean, I don't know, I guess, you know, taking, taking it day by day and just, even if it's not perfect, you know, something that I just heard the other day from, from a friend of mine, they said, something is better than nothing. And I think that that proves to be true over and over and over, you know? Yeah. And you're going to spend your, you're going to spend your life away trying to make this perfect. And that's the funny thing. I, I love that you brought up the the website. I've been there and I've, I've done that for sure is like, Okay, well, well, first I'll get uh, first I need to get my business cards, and then I'll be able to call people. Oh, well, first I need to, you know, I, I need to make sure that the website looks great, and then and then we'll tell people about it. And it's like you're gonna go ahead and have this like this big, nice, fancy mm-hmm. setup, and no one's gonna come because you haven't right. taken any action. You know, you, so don't even worry. Like, no one cares about your website. No one cares about how fancy it is. You know, you just gotta get out there and get in front of people and and get get. Put yourself out there like hey this is what i have to offer and it's going to attract the right people to you Versus yeah like you, you don't need all these fancy things and you don't need i mean you don't need it to be perfect is what we're getting at right like you're going to just keep racking your brain because i've done it i've done it too like we all do it and it's like okay just stop and be focused on what you're why and what you're trying to do and who you're trying to help yeah, yeah. change an update change an update just like yourself <laughs> I did. I was going through the website, actually, uh, your business website, and I went to the questions page. I've never seen this before where you can actually record a message. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I thought that was really cool. (laughs) Yeah, you you guys should have that on your website so then people can ask questions to the podcast and then you can air the questions. That that would be a good one. I'll have to show you later, Marco, what it is. Yeah, you know, take a note. Um, Renee, how, how are we doing on time? You know, with you thing is my laptop is going to die. So if we, we still have more to talk about, I'm totally cool. I just need to go grab the charger for my laptop. Well, it's, it's up to you, you know, there's no pressure. Um, again, we, I, it could go on for, for hours. It does to me, it doesn't matter. So it's up to you. Yeah. If you, yeah, Marco, if you still have questions, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm, you know, giving value to your listeners and stuff. So let me go grab that and then get perfect. Yeah. And then we can Alrighty. Maybe it's cool. five minutes or whatever. Maybe it's five hours. <laughs> All right. So, well, thank you for joining us, Captain Teamwork. Um, I think you're right. Imagine how much more work you'd put in if you just focused. You could um, work for 12 hours, but that's not the point. Now you, now you sure you may be making more, but maybe you're not interested in more. Well, well, Greg, you know, like uh, my business partner, the guy works like 20, 20 hours a day, dude. No joke. And just seeing him, how 
how and where he's at in life now just gives me the fuel to put in those hours in, you know? What, what, what do they say in order to master something? You need to practice it for 10,000 hours or whatever. So mm -hmm. it's definitely, you, you got to put in the work no matter what. But uh, Renee, so um, let's see. I had, a, I had another question uh, when it came back to uh, traveling. When, when you were in Thailand, um, is it true that most people there are just genuinely happy and that they just seem to be like the happiest, um, you know, country in Asia? Is that true? So it is true until you come to Malaysia. So I, this is funny that you bring this up because I joke about this. I thought Thailand, I thought, I thought Thais were the happiest people. I'm like, mm -hmm. Why, what are these people doing? You know, they're pretty happy. Um, generally, you know, there you'll get grumpies here and there. Um, <laughs> but coming to Malaysia, I was like, whoa, these people are super happy. Um, they're there it's so interesting because like thailand there's really not as um as diverse as much diversity in religion as here so most of malaysia and even like the the uh government entity and the and the prime minister and everybody they're all muslim so the country in general overall is a muslim country mm -hmm. and they have you know the mosque uh the mosque um little seance thing you know their mm -hmm. prayers they're going off at all hours and all of that so there's a lot of Muslim um, people here, but there's also a lot of Christians. There's a lot of Hindu. There's a lot of Buddhists. And so it's very mixed. And it's just so, and there's, um, I, guess, I guess the three major, the three major races or, or, or ethnicities or whatever, if mm -hmm. you will, are, um, are uh, I guess, Malaysians. So there's the Malaysians, there's the Chinese, and then there's like the Indian. So, so people from like India and then there's like everyone else. So there's like those three major groups, but I would say mostly it's like Malay and a lot of, um, a lot of Chinese. And obviously the Chinese are not Muslim. The Chinese, a lot of them are like Buddhist or Christian, mm -hmm. um, and they all get along. And so you guys know, like religion is one of those things that like, man, people will, they'll kill each other. That's, that's the reason why people kill each other, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> For the most part. So it's just so refreshing and interesting to see these people out here and how friendly they are with one another and how well they get along with each other even though they have these like crazy different religions they're very accepting of each other um so i think uh, that's just so interesting to me they're just very very happy people so in the comparison to thailand it's just different in that sense like there's much more diversity here as far as like ethnicities and religions like most of thailand it's just it's just thai people um majorly i mean there's a lot of chinese out there as well but mostly thai majorly um and then just everyone's so everyone's really happy out here they're really helpful and you you think like well what's their motive like why like i was in i was in a 7-eleven once and i was buying a coffee and i didn't have any cash i just had my card and the guy's like, um, this guy in line's like buying my coffee for me. And I'm like, oh no, I feel bad. Like I'm going to have to pay him back or what is he trying to get or mm -hmm. whatever. And he's mm -hmm. like, no, genuinely, I'm, he's just pay paying for my coffee. And so then the next day I'm like trying to give him money and he wouldn't take the money. And so it's just kind of like, like just little things like that. The people out here are just so friendly and really genuinely helpful. Like they genuinely want to help you. Um, and I also notice how they interact with each other too. Mm -hmm. Because one thing you notice when you travel 
is that people will treat you differently because you're a tourist, right? There'll be a lot nicer to you. Um, But so I've been really interested in like looking at people and how they interact with each other. And you'll have someone who's in a full, um, you know, Oh, full hajib to, you know, everything's covered, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. everything. They even have the gloves and everything, their whole body's covered. And they're walking just alongside, you know, a young Chinese girl who has her butt hanging out of her skirt, you know, and it's like, they're just getting along. And it's like two completely different worlds in one world. It seems that Malaysia is the better version of the United States. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it's so crazy how developed they are. I think because they do have a lot of influence from Singapore. It's like mm-hmm. Singapore's little sister. And yeah. so they um, they teach everyone English in school. So English is spoken widely out here. So in Thailand, okay. even even in the most um even in the most touristy places in Thailand, I've still been in restaurants and things where they don't speak any English and you're still just kind of like, oh, I want the green curry and you're trying to like figure out, you know, your special order or whatever. But here in Malaysia, it's like almost everyone knows English because they're taught in school and they, um, you know, they really care about educating their people. And mm-hmm. so they're, the people are just, they're, they're not relying on tourists. Um, they have their own economy. They, they, they're just kind of living a normal life. So it is very similar to being in the States. Um, it's very comfortable. Like I, I was shocked, like of the places I've been to in Southeast Asia, this is definitely, definitely, I, if I had to choose a favorite country, this would be it for that purpose. Like as far as livability long-term. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's funny because one of our listeners is wondering if that's a good place to retire. Yeah. I would say, heck yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of expats here. Um, You know, I I would suggest that they travel through Malaysia because Mm -hmm. it's very similar to the States and like different culturally, like how, how different parts of Malaysia are different culturally. Like, for example, we were in uh, Kwantan, Malaysia, which is on the um, east, like northeast coast of Malaysia. And it reminded me of San Diego of, I don't know if you guys have been to OE. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it reminded me of like being in San Diego. And so it was just like everyone was really relaxed and, you know, it, it was kind of like a beach kind of beach vibe. Mm-hmm. And people were just more relaxed and cool and chill. And then coming here to Johor, it's more of like a city, like more kind of like bustly. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of like it's kind of cool because it's, you know, you have to figure out what, you know, what's going to vibe with you most. And you can go around and, you know, travel to the different parts of Malaysia. Yeah. Interesting. That sounds really cool. Again, you know, this year I was supposed to be traveling to Southeast Asia, but then uh, we were hit with this with this whole uh, pandemic. And we, you know, believe it or not, we we actually have had to go from a 600 person company to about eight. And over a, a, what was it, an expanse of uh, three months. So it was very, very difficult. You know, now. With this whole COVID vaccine, I hope that we get back to to normal. We're still hanging in there, but I don't know. For the foreseeable future, I I think it's pretty bleak still for in terms of the travel industry. Um, Now, so you, I wanted to know uh, from you what was the if you had a choice. Okay, so like let's say that. you know, maybe you're doing well here in the States and you you're planning on traveling over to Southeast Asia. If you had a choice, what would be the 
from your experience, the best place to start? Um, in just Southeast Asia? Uh, well, I mean, just traveling, I guess. Sure. From, yes. Yeah, from your experience. Um, so I haven't been, I, there's still so many places that I wanted mm -hmm. to go to. Um, you know, like I said, I haven't been to Singapore. I haven't been to Vietnam or... Um, Philippines, like, I think there's still like so many cool places that I, I want to check out after all mm -hmm. this shakes out. Right. Um, I think Thailand actually is a great place to start. I think it's, it's fun. It's beautiful. Um, that is one thing I will say Thailand over Malaysia is the little islands and the little places that you can go in, in Thailand. It's crazy. Like it feels like you're in Jurassic park. It's just mm -hmm. incredible. Um, so I think Thailand is a good, it is a good place to start. Um, I like Thailand more than Bali, uh, Bali and Indonesia is definitely overhyped and you get definitely, a, it's just like tourist traps, right? you know, beyond again, the people are super nice there and it's like, but I, I preferred, um, Thailand much more to Bali, or if you're going to go to Indonesia, check out some of the other places. It's not just Bali. There's all these other little islands that you can check out. Um, but I would say definitely Thailand. And then I would tell, I would encourage people to check out Malaysia. It's a, it's a great country. It's very westernized. Um, it's, there's a lot of cool places to see as well. There's a lot of, still a lot of places I haven't seen. So hopefully we're hoping that we're going to be able to do some diving. If you're into school, one that, okay, that's the number one thing. Like if you're going to come to Southeast Asia and you're in, and you're interested in diving, you should get certified to scuba dive and do that because that is, like scuba diving is incredible. If you, I don't know if you guys are, are into that kind of stuff, but never. Has beautiful diving. You know what? Once I started seeing the, um, th these viral videos where people are scuba diving, they encounter sharks. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember this, this one time I was in, um, I was in Panama and, and we were, we weren't even diving. Actually, we were, we were just, um, uh, snorkeling and mm -hmm. so we went on this little boat boat trip to snorkel and my partner yells there's a shark in the water and instead you would think that because i was still on the boat you would think mm -hmm. that i'd be like oh i'm not going in there i jumped in the water with my pants on i saw like shorts on <laughs> and i jumped in the water because i wanted to see this shark and so it was, it was kind of but you, you you'll never <laughs> I, it is. It, it was so funny, and I'm like, oh my! And I had to like dry my jean, jean shorts off or whatever. But um, you never. It's like the chances of you ever encountering something that's going to hurt you. Those animals are so afraid of you. You know, like mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. You get. You're totally like. It's more dangerous doing other day to day things. That's. <laughs> yeah. That's. Good, Greg. Uh, I was going to say that. That's one of the questions I was going to have about. Are there things that you choose to go to different countries for? Like, are you really into mountain biking? You said scuba diving. Do, do you prefer just going around taking pictures of architecture? Usually people have some kind of niche that they like to do while they travel. Yes. Yeah. That's a great question. I, th I should have thought about that when Marco was asking too. is definitely diving. Yeah, it is definitely diving. So when we were, before we came here to Malaysia and we were in Thailand, we were diving, um, and like I said, we, we've gone through Central America and we're diving through Central America. That They have really great diving there. And then I was hoping, you know, before all this happened, 
Um, Australia was on our, our uh, next destination. So we were mm-hmm. going to go to Australia and New Zealand and do some diving there as well. So that's definitely something that I always think about when planning our trips. But I also don't like to be closed-minded, right? Because there's tons of amazing places that you, you can't dive. So if there's other places, I'm definitely more of a nature person than a you know city person or museum person. I love those things too. And I'm totally like, you know, if I'm in Italy, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the art museums, you know, in mm-hmm, Italy, France mm-hmm, and all of that, of mm-hmm. course. Um, but I'm more interested in like the, the hiking and the, the ocean and the jungle and seeing the animals all about, like in Malaysia, there's a bunch of, um, there's a bunch of, um, Komodo dragons out here. Okay. Oh, that's right. People call them alligators. I'm like, they're not alligators. They're, they're they're lizards, basically. Yeah. And so there's a bunch of like Komodo dragons out here. There's these really cool monkeys that are actually um, pretty rare. I think they're they're even on the brink of like going extinct. So there's like these really cool monkeys with like cool little uh, details around their eyes, mm-hmm. and their little babies are orange, and they're just <laughs> it's just incredible to like. And so we're just like walking, you know, walking our morning walk and there's monkeys everywhere and there's Komodo dragons and there's crazy exotic, you know, birds that are like prehistoric looking. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that get me going is like the animals and nature and just the, the, the natural part of like seeing all of that. You know, just listening to the things you say, you say, you say them with passion. It's something that it's rare when you speak to somebody here, you know, whether it's at work or a colleague, it's usually about some drama, but it's, it's almost refreshing, you know, to, to listen to somebody who, you know, they're, they're living the life that they want to live. And I think I, I want to stress that point a little bit more because again, like, you don't know, like a lot of people don't know why they do things. They do things because they're influenced. They, you know, it's either family or a colleague, or maybe it's your partner who maybe you two don't see eye to eye and you're always at their beck and call or, you know, whatever it is, it could be personal. It could be business. It could be um, work, many, many different things, but it's just um, it's really interesting to, to hear you just talk about the things that you're interested in and, you know, you went for it and kudos to you for that. And, and, um, I, I don't know. I, I hope that I know for a fact that I'm doing what I want to do with, however, there is some compromise. And obviously, you know, when, when it comes to having a partner or even family, family can either support you or almost, you know, bring you down or, or whatever that is. Right. But um, I, I I don't know. I just would like to encourage more of our listeners to get out there, to take the first steps, you know, change the habits in order for you to achieve what you want to achieve. Um, it's possible, but you have to put in the work. That's you can't. There's no substitute for that. You still have to put in the work no matter what. Um, but, you know, before we end the podcast. I want to know, you know, Greg, do you have any other talking points that you have? Uh, Renee, do you have anything further that you want to discuss? Um, I ran out of all the questions that I had. So, but don't, you know, don't feel pressured. Um, Again, we're open uh, to stay on, just 
on the show as as as, as long as you want. So I have anything. Yeah. uh, Are you. Sorry. I don't know why I said, are you. Uh, Do you already have plans to go to another country or are you kind of almost liking where you're at and you're just discovering more? Yeah, we're just taking it month by month. So we just because similar to back home, like, well, this country, they they. They got crazy official with their lockdowns and how they were going to handle the pandemic. They did a good job, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, but it's like, okay, one month we can leave, one month we can't. What you know, we can we can leave the country, um, but if we want to travel in the country, there's like some restrictions, and then they lift the restrictions and they put them back. So we really just just like we were before all of this stuff happened. We are just taking it month by month, and I'm totally comfortable with that. I think it's a lot of fun, and it also um, inspires a lot of gratitude because I don't know how long I'm going to be here. So I, I'm, I'm less likely to take things for granted. So I remind myself like, you know, there's a beautiful little, um, uh, marina down here and there's a really nice garden that they take really good care of. And so I like to go down there and enjoy it because it's like, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I might only be here for one more week. Mm -hmm. So our plans, depending on what, what happens is to, um, go up North. So stay in Malaysia and go up North to, uh, Timoman Island, which is, not very far from here. It's only about an hour or so from here and uh, do some diving there. And then from there, maybe check out the West coast. We haven't even been to the West coast of Malaysia. So we might check that out. And then who knows if Thailand will be back open. Maybe we might go back to Thailand. We might go to Europe. Um, we've been wanting to check out Georgia. Um, it's a, it's supposed to be a really cool place and really comfortable, you know, for, for more long-term travel. So we might check that out. So it's really, we're just open and we're just taking it, taking it month by month. Okay, cool. Um, now, if you decide to travel a little bit more in Southeast Asia, uh, maybe I'll send you a link to to the company. Um, you know, what they're really known for is really, it's a very boutique company. Very, they're mostly about experiences. Uh, let's say that you are into snorkeling, right? Like you said, uh, we will you know, get you a guide that will take you to the best spots where the tourists aren't around. Um, very private, very secluded. Um, we do camping in, in caves. We do, um, I forget the, the name of the cave, but it's, it's actually, we actually just discovered that it's one of the biggest caves in the world. Um, let me see if I can get the name of it. But we're we're focused on that, you know. We we want people to experience um, Southeast Asia as as you're supposed to, away from the crowd, you know. Here, let me see. So the the name of that cave is called uh, Fong Na or Hang Son Dung, and it's uh, basically you can if you if you look at the if you look at it on Google you can see that there's water inside the cave and then it's just like a big open space. It's, it's supposed to be really, really cool. So we offer those types of experiences, you know, um, again, I, it's very unfortunate that I didn't get to go this year, but hopefully next year. Um, 
so yeah i mean anything else you guys have on on your mind anything else that you want to maybe you want to plug in your your company um your blog i see that you have a blog called the fancy nomad are you still working on that yeah so that's just kind of something that i was just doing just kind of in free time but not um not something that i necessarily am like getting people like hey come buy something or whatever you know it's more Mm -hmm. just like personal things so check it out if you want to um but you can connect with me personally there but um no i just love that you brought up that you brought up like for someone who is kind of doing things just because society's kind of implanted ideas on them or labels of what they need to be or how they need to show up or even if it's family members who always mean well like family members aren't trying to tear you down or tight they just really probably just don't understand you know mm-hmm. they don't understand what you're wanting or or a vision that you have for yourself so i love that you brought that up and i think the key um that i'd like to to just say and kind of like a takeaway like we've been saying i think the theme of this of this conversation has more more been about like sitting with yourself and asking yourself what's important to me and why do I want to do what I think I want to do or why do I want what I want to buy or you know if I if I want to travel why do I want to travel mm-hmm. what is the why behind that is it because you want to post photos on Instagram think about that you know what I mean <laughs> think about that because it's really not going to do anything for you you know on a deeper level so you know you think about well why do I want to travel why do I want you know whatever you want and you're just asking yourselves asking yourself that question and having that self inquiry. Cause I think it's so important and people don't spend enough time doing that. Like you said, doing the work, that's the internal work that needs to happen. You know, the internal work of seeing what's really important to you. Um, so with that, uh, like I said, we do teach people how to start their own business in equipment financing. So if people are interested in learning about equipment financing, uh, we're going to be opening up that soon so they can, you know, uh, give us their email address and we can put you on a wait list. So that that's at creatorslearn.com. So go to creatorslearn.com and you can check that out. You know, depending on what time you listen to this podcast, you can connect with us. And if there is um, availability for us to help you with that, you know, we can we can talk more about that. Awesome. Perfect. Cool. Um, so perhaps, uh, you know, I, I very, I really enjoyed today's conversation and today's theme. I think that it's a good step and it's in, um, it's in the frame of, to, of our mission is just to help people understand people and how they live. And, you know, everybody has a different life. Um, everybody has their own experience in this life. Uh, but it's uh, very important for us to share everybody's perspective um, on on life, basically, with everyone here. Um, so with that, you know, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, we will link the um, cr- uh, you said it was creators learning dot com. Creators link- learn. Yeah. Creators learn dot com. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can you can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's like. The only the only platform I'm on, so I'll, I I don't really spend time on all the other platforms. So if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, you can um, you know message me directly. Yeah, so we will link all those uh, links on the description on all of our platforms. Um, I just want to thank you again for your time, Renee. Um, Greg, any final thoughts? No, I just want to thank you as well. I had a good time, learned a few things, and. Uh, it's great. I hope everyone else uh, came along for the journey as well. Hopefully we have you on again, Renee. 
Yeah, anytime, guys. I had I had a lot of fun. Thanks. Awesome. Renee Latour, everybody. Thank you. We'll thank see you. you guys next week.